Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here today and to enjoy uh, the wonderful day that the Lord has made. Let's all rejoice and be glad in it. And we're thankful for the little bit of rain that we've got last night. Much needed, much needed there. A lot of the, the plants, we look around and, and they are dead. And they have been dead. But luckily, we've had a little rain to maybe revive them a little bit. Today we're going to be continuing and actually finishing our series on the I Am's of Jesus Christ. We've been examining who Christ claimed that He was and what others said about Him. And today we're looking at the claim that He made where He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, have you ever lost somebody that was close to you? Have you ever been you know, close to somebody who has died? I want you to think about this morning your first experience with, with death, specifically the death of a loved one. See, my first experience with, with that kind of death, someone that I was extremely close to, uh, happened when I was 13 years old. It was my grandmother, Mama, we called her. You know, she had been living in a nursing home for, for a couple of years at, at that point, and she needed constant care. But until that point, she had lived with us in our guest house my entire life. And so we became really close because of her living uh, with us, living so close to us. Every Friday night, I would go and spend the night at Mama's house because she had cartoons and she had all the junk food. So every Friday night, she would spoil me with the cartoons and the junk food, Kraft mac and cheese, ramen noodles, sometimes together in the same pot if I begged her enough for it. And every morning, she would make me a huge plate of breakfast, pancakes, homemade biscuits, the works. We were really close, and I loved my grandma quite a bit. And I was holding her hand when she passed away. You know, she had lived in these nursing homes, and it was, it was a long time coming, and we, we thought it was going to be sooner than it was even. But on that morning that, that she passed away, my, um, my dad warned me that, you know, she might, she might still be moving a little bit, even after she's gone. And he tried to prepare me for that. But nothing can really prepare you, especially when you're 13 years old, holding the hand of someone as they die. You know, there's just a, if you've experienced that or, or something like that, then, then you know that that person is just gone. All the warmth, even if they were asleep, all the warmth is just gone. They're no longer there. You can tell the moment that that spirit leaves the body. You know, I imagine most people, their first experience with, with death is probably a grandparent. You know, just statistically, mathematically, your grandparents are significantly older than you are. And so it's, it's pretty likely that they're going to pass on before you. And that's most people's first, um, first instance of the death of a loved one. You know, in cases of tragedy, though, it could be a parent or a brother, a sister, a spouse, or even a child could be your first experience with death. If you are here today, it's because you survived a global pandemic. And 
you know, it doesn't really matter what, or depending on your, uh, your opinion on this, on this subject, if you lost somebody to COVID-19, then that virus is very real to you. Now, I want you to imagine someone in your life, a loved one. Maybe it is that person that, that you lost. Maybe it's someone that you are afraid to lose. For our story and purpose this morning, we're going to call this your brother. Imagine that your brother has, contract, has contracted a deadly virus. He is sick, and there is nothing that you can do about it. The only person that has the cure is miles away. You hear of this new doctor, a new physician that, that could cure this disease, but all the doctors close by and, and that are near at hand have tried everything, have tried their best, but it just wasn't good enough, and they can't cure your brother. You hope that this, this new physician, this doctor with the cure, will get there in time, but he doesn't. He gets there, but too late and your brother has died. If this doctor had only gotten here a few days earlier, then your brother would be saved. Your brother would be alive. But he didn't. The doctor was delayed a few days. He didn't get there. And your brother is dead. This doctor knows that you are a faithful servant of God, so he tries to comfort you by assuring you that your brother will rise again. You thank him for the nice words. You know, a lot of people have said a lot of nice things, but you're still, you're still grieving. You, you thank him for these nice words, and you, you, know, you know that one day he will be resurrected, and you thank him for that assurance. But this doctor is different, and he tells you that no, not just someday, but he will rise today because I am the resurrection. He will live today. You realize that this is the great physician. He doesn't just cure a virus or cure any, any disease. He has the cure for death itself. And all you, though your brother has been dead for days, he staggers from his grave, alive again and freed from death. Now this is what happened to Martha. And the story of Lazarus is a, is a great story uh, in the Bible and in, in Jesus' ministry because it demonstrates his power over death. In John chapter 11, verses 25 through 27, Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. See, although Jesus loved Lazarus and loved his sisters, Mary and Martha, he still delayed his travels in order to arrive after the death of his close friend. He still grieved over that death, and he comforted the, the sisters in their, in their time of grief. 
But this just demonstrates, he did this to demonstrate his power and his authority, not only on this earth, but under this earth. The power of death, over death, the power of resurrection to bring people back to life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 57, it says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. You see, we no longer have to fear death. Because Jesus, our Savior, has shown his power and mastery over death. We don't have to fear our own death or our brother's death, our loved ones, our brothers and sisters of Christ. We no longer have to fear death for ourselves or for those who are found in Christ. We now can replace that fear with a hope, a hope in life. You see, Jesus, or the Bible gives us the formula for conquering death so that we can have the same cure that Jesus uh, provides. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7, read 3 through 4 and then click to another slide. Verses 3 through 7, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of our Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we have been united with him in death, like we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. See, we no longer have to fear death. Because it's not the end anymore. You know, death is so final, it's so inevitable, dark, and lonely. But we have hope. We have a hope of being united with Christ in heaven because of his power of resurrection. In 1 Corinthians, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse 3 through 4 says, For I delivered you as of first importance that I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he who was buried, that he was that he who was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. See, the Bible speaks over and over again the importance of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection as the foundations of of our faith, of our faith. This is the most important lesson that the Bible has to teach us. The truth that Christ died, was buried, and was resurrected. You know, if any of these three statements are false, then our faith is ultimately meaningless. But I have some good news for you. There are a couple empty graves somewhere in Israel right now. Because Jesus rose from the dead, and he brought Lazarus from the dead. He brought others from the dead as well through his ministry, brought the dead back to life. Because he conquered death, we have a hope of eternal life. 
In Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, it teaches us that we have been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with through faith in, in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. So how exactly do we gain that cure? How do we conquer death like Jesus? We talked about being buried with him in baptism, and we're given the rest of that formula in Acts chapter 2. This Jesus, chapter 2, verses 23 through 24 say, This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Verses 29 through 32. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he, th- he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus... God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Yeah, I think I'm missing a slide there. And then finally in in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 38. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This formula was given to us. This formula was given to us in the Bible to demonstrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Like he was killed, like he died, we're to kill our old selves, sacrifice that on the cross, be buried with him in baptism and rise to walk in newness of life with Christ. So the next step is to change our mindset. If we're called to to die this way, to kill our old selves, and walk in newness of life, what is that first step? What do we need to do to change how we live our lives? First off, it's a matter of changing our mindset. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. See, if we don't fear death, then we change our mindset to be on heavenly things, instead of the the earthly things that we prioritize so much in our life. You see, Jesus, he didn't hold on to to glory. He didn't hold on to the throne of heaven. He humbled himself to the point of death, knowing that it was only temporary. Because of his power over death, he was able to speak boldly with authority about God and his message of a new life for the world. So what kind of mindset are we supposed to have 
as Christians. Firstly, a selfless mindset. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, let, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, Jesus wants us to be selfless the same way that he was selfless. He came to this earth as a man. He humbled himself. And he chose to serve others rather than to be served. He could have taken that glory. He had all the power. He could raise the dead to life. You know, the devil tempted him three times, two of, two of, which, two of which were with power and glory and, and earthly praise. But he knew, as we should know, that those things are only temporary and that what comes next is so much better. So with this changed mindset of selflessness, we find in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. In Romans chapter 6, verses 8 through 11, we're told that we are supposed to be slaves to righteousness. Not only should our mindset change in how we interact with each other, but physically our actions need to change as well. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, verses 8 through 11, say, Now if you have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Then Romans chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that, that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves to righteousness. You know, a slave, they have no choice but to obey their master. Like a slave... We need to have no choice but to do the things God has commanded us to do. Now, in this case, we should hopefully have a heart of servitude, and that goes back to the mindset that we've talked about of being selfless, a selfless servant of Christ. But we need to be so committed to God and so committed to his cause that it was as if we are literally slaves and that we don't have a choice but to glorify him in everything that we do. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, says, If then you have been raised with Christ, let the things that are above where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of this earth. See, we're called to purge our earthly desires. In Colossians chapter 3, verses, five, verses 3 through 5, For you have died... 
and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And once again, we're to put off our old self, killing the old man. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And finally, what we have to do is imitate Christ in everything that we do and every opportunity that we have, and to have this mindset in our service. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, I think this, this really sums up the type of mindset and the type of actions that we as Christians are supposed to implement in our lives. Serving one another, forgiving one another. I know that's, that's a big issue in, in my life, is forgiveness. But we are called to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. So now I want to pick back up our story about your brother. Now that he has been resurrected, he has dedicated his life to spreading the good news of the great physician who cures disease and death. He took the good news to far-off lands where his message was met with violence. The people refused to believe in the cure and are preparing to shoot the messenger. But your brother no longer fears death because he knows it is only temporary for those who believe in the physician. As the shots fly in and end his life, he looks up into the sky begging the physician to forgive these murderers as he died. Now, as one of the original martyrs in Christianity, Stephen is a great example of our mentality as Christians today. Not only did he stand firm in his belief, he prayed for his murderers while he was being killed. We need to be willing to die for our faith, but we need to put the souls of others ahead of our physical well-being. If we are willing to die for our faith, why aren't we willing to live for Christ? So in conclusion, we no longer need to fear death because the great physician has the cure. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He has conquered the grave and given us the formula to rise and walk in a newness of life as new creatures and as new men. Instead of being slaves to sin, we can now be dedicated to righteousness. We need to be following the selfless example of Jesus by putting others first, even at the cost of our own lives or our own well-being. And we must pattern our lives after the instructions that are found in the Bible. Since we don't fear death, we shouldn't fear dying for our faith, just like Stephen. And if we are willing to die, 
why aren't we willing to live for Christ? If you have not crucified your old self and you're still living with a fear of death, Jesus can take away that fear. If you follow his pattern and formula for resurrection by, by repenting of your sins, being buried with him in baptism, and rising to walk in newness of life. If you haven't made that decision yet today, then we would encourage you to do so at this moment as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.